Does anyone remember the uh, the movie Superman, the original one from like 1978, with Christopher Reeve? Was it? I think he was he was the Superman. Hands up if you've ever watched that. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. Like, uh, yeah, he he is uh, a wonderful, wonderful Superman. Well, there's this scene in that in that uh, Superman where uh, where Lois asks Clark. She says, "Why are you here?" and uh, and, and then she says, there must be a reason for, for you to be here. And to which Superman responds, he says, yes, I'm here to fight for truth, for justice, and who knows what he says next. Fight for truth, justice, and the American way. That's why Superman's here, is to fight for truth, justice, and the American way. But uh, the good news is that... Uh, as of last week, the Man of Steel has a new motto. Um, so this just happened last week, and it's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Okay, and I think we can all rally around that. I think that uh, Clark Kent is on to something there. Uh, anyone know what Hulk's motto is? Two words. What? Hulk smash, there we go, that's exactly what it is. Is that what you said, Sean? Okay, it's Hulk smash. So here we have uh, our, our Marvel nerd, our resident Marvel nerd there at the back. And if you ever want to sit through a Marvel movie and have a commentary all the way through explaining all of the uh, insights, then Enya is your, your guide. She really has a gift there. It's quite incredible. So Hulk smash. Okay, last one. This isn't Marvel. We're now going over to DC again, and uh, who said this? I'm willing to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. It's not Spider-Man, no. Oh, who? Batman, no. Yeah, but uh, no. Anyone know? Wonder Woman, there we go. That, that was my, uh, my uh, awesome Wonder Woman impression. If I just suck in the belly a little bit and... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's not there. So, you know, we worship Jesus and we love Jesus and we know that Jesus isn't a superhero, right? He's God and he's man. Um, so he's not a superhero, plus Jesus really existed, unlike superheroes. So Jesus is not a superhero, but there are some things about Jesus that make me think of a superhero. Um, and this is actually backed up by Zero research from me, but I think that these things may, be, may lead us to think that Jesus might have been the original inspiration for superheroes. Like I said, this is backed up by zero research from me. But um, so first of all, the first thing that leads me to think that Jesus might be the inspiration for superheroes is that he has an origin story. Okay, he was born of a virgin. Okay, that's a pretty epic, special origin story. Uh, secondly, Jesus, like superheroes, can achieve extraordinary feats. Like last week, we saw him turn water into wine. And if that's not a superpower, I don't know what is. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then there's a third reason why I think Jesus might be the inspiration for uh, superheroes is that he fights a battle to keep his identity secret, right? So we learned about this last week where Jesus told Mary, he said, my time has not yet come, uh, which referred to at least in part to him not being ready to come out publicly as the Messiah like 
Peter Parker in No Way Home, right? Is he's fighting to keep his his identity secret, and then you know things go wrong, and then and then the next movie, which is one of the best movies I've ever seen, which is called Spider Man. What's the last one called? Oh, is that that is No Way Home? Far from home. Okay, he's fighting to keep his identity. It comes out, and then No Way Home is the is the consequences. And if you haven't seen that, I'm not a Marvel fan, but it is one of the best movies I've seen. So I just said that to get a thumbs up from my daughter. Uh, and uh, so, but but in that, he's fighting to keep his identity secret, and he's kind of working through the consequences of what happens when it's exposed. So, so Jesus has an origin story. He can do uh, extraordinary feats, aka miracles, and he and this struggle to keep his identity secret, at least for now, is real in Jesus's life. And there's one more way that we see that uh, sort of like a parallel between Jesus and superheroes. Uh, and that is that Jesus has a slogan or a catchphrase. He has these sentences that reveal his motivation uh, or, you know, the purpose why he's here on earth. Um, so a few mo- moments ago, I shared with you a couple of catchphrases or mottos of superheroes. Well, if it came to Jesus, I wonder what we would consider to be his mottos, his catchphrases, his slogans. Maybe it would be something like uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is that his um, slogan? Is that his motto? I-, I think it's a great one because here... We actually see Jesus' arch enemy as well, who has a super arch villain uh, name, the thief, you know. And uh, so, it, it, you know, it, it just really feeds into that whole idea of, um, of a superhero motto. Uh, or maybe it's uh, John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Maybe that is Jesus' motto. Or maybe it's um, something like this. Um, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That's John chapter 12, verse 46. Or what about what Jesus said uh, to Pontius Pilate, where he said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. John chapter 18, verse 37. Or what about what John wrote about Jesus in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, where he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Once again, here we have this arch villain, Jesus' arch nemesis, and, uh, and the reason that he came was to wipe out, to raise Satan's work right down to the ground. Um, or maybe it's uh, what uh, Jesus said of himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All of these could be considered to be Jesus' mottos, Jesus' reason for existing, for him being on earth as the God-man. And I... I think it's really good for us when we're going through seasons like we're going through to hold on to phrases and mottos and sentences like this because what you can do is that you can say to Jesus, I'm going through this. You came. 
not to serve, but to be served, and to give his right, give your life as a ransom for many. And you can apply that truth into your life. You can hold on to it, and you will see that it will lift your spirits as you're holding on to his truth rather than on your temporary circumstances. Now, of course, Jesus didn't come to fight for truth, justice, and the American way, or the Canadian way, or the Cambodian way, or the Ukrainian way, or the Welsh way. Um, Jesus came so that you might have life and have it to the full. He came so that he could do the will of the one who sent him. He came as a light so that no one who believes in him should stay in darkness. The reason Jesus came into the world, was born, was to testify to the truth, was to destroy uh, the, the work of the devil, and was to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen? Some wonderful reasons there as to why Jesus came into the world. This morning, we're uh, going through this season um, of um, after after the moment of epiphany, through this season, through the series that we're calling uh, A Light for the Nations. And as I've been explaining over the past few weeks, the word epiphany means to reveal or to unveil. And so Jesus has been revealing himself. First, we saw how he revealed himself to the Magi, uh, these foreign Gentile astrologers, most likely from Persia. Secondly, Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah in the Jordan River when the heavens were torn open. Last week, we saw the revealing of Jesus in the most unexpected place in a wedding in Cana, where we read that this was the first of the signs through which Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And this morning, Jesus' revelation continues. We're being invited into Jesus' epiphany, his unmasking, and we're focusing on one specific moment where Jesus tells us uh, who his alter ego is, who he truly is. So let's uh, listen to Stacy as she reads our scripture. The scripture today is from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. So this is taking place after Jesus' baptism. And then he he was in the desert for 40 days. You know, to put that in context, that's a month and a half. Um, and And then Luke says that Jesus returned from the desert into Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he ends up in Nazareth, his hometown, his neck of the woods, this place where Jesus was raised. Now, on this screenshot here, we can see where Nazareth is. It's here. This is um, 
this is where it's located. And then over here, uh, we, uh, sorry, over here we have the Sea of Galilee, which is about 24 kilometers away. Then over here we have the Mediterranean Sea, which is about 32 kilometers away from Nazareth. And then over here we have this mountain uh, called M Mount, Mount, Mount Tabor. And so, you know, you would, you'd have been able to see this from Nazareth. And, uh, and, and so this is kind of where it took place. This is where it happened. And then we're told in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, that, um, that uh, Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and maybe to honor his status as a rabbi, plus he was a local boy, uh, he reads the reading. He's handed the scroll. You know, they wouldn't have read it in a book, uh, but he was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and then he, and then he locates Isaiah 61 verse 2, and he reads these incredible words that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and so on. And this, friends, is where we start to see Jesus' motto, Jesus' mantra, Jesus' slogan. If he was a superhero and if Jesus' life was like a comic book, then this would not just be one little panel. It would actually take up a whole page. This is a major part in Jesus' life. And this morning, I want us to hear these words. Why? Because I think that too often, many of us try to be the superhero in our own lives. Uh, that 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 we feel that we have to be our own man of steel, that we feel that we have to be uh, our own world's mightiest mortal, Captain Marvel, that we have to be our own man of the hour, which is our man, or that we, we have to be our own amazing woman, which is Wonder Woman. Or maybe we feel the pressure you know, to be our own boy wonder like Robin. Or maybe we feel as a couple that we have to be the dynamic duo, that, that we can't show cracks and we can't show the reality of what's going on. Or maybe as a family, we feel that we have to be the earth's mightiest heroes like the Avengers. In other words, we feel that we have to do everything that we can do to save ourselves. We need to be self-sufficient. That's what we think, and that's, that's the lie which we've bought into. And frankly, friends, this is exhausting. Trying to be the, your own superhero in your life with these kind of um, names is exhausting, and it's impossible. And in fact, if we're honest, in our honest, true moments we know that we're more like what the Hulk says, that we are puny humans, okay? We feel it, we experience it. So around this room, I'm looking at puny human, puny human, puny human, puny human, puny human, and puny human. Hands up if you feel like a puny human, okay? Good, thank you. And the rest of you are liars. I'm just kidding. But um, so, my, so what I want us to do this morning is to take off the cape, is to take off the suit and uh, to stop feeling the need to be your own superhero in your own family or in your own context. Instead, embrace the freeing reality that you are a puny human, that I am a puny human. We don't have to be the world's mightiest mortal or the man of steel or the amazing Amazon. 
That's not needed. There is a relief and a joy in simply being a puny human. Especially now, right? Uh, at this moment in time, I feel like I'm running on 70% of my full capacity, right? I don't seem to be able to charge myself up past that. You know, I used to be able to run on 100, but like a cell phone that's been around for a few years, you know, I can't charge myself past 70% at the moment. You know, I just wrote a a letter to the board last week to just right-size their expectations of me uh, that, you know, that we as a staff that, you know, we're tired, we're exhausted, and, you know, we're tired of being tired and weary of being weary, all of those sorts of things. And while we feel that we wish that we could find the next gear, we don't seem to be able to find it, and we're just grinding and grinding and grinding. Now, as I say this to you, you know, I, it, it's a bit of a wrestle, right? Because I don't want to be a defeatist person. I don't want to be negative, uh, but I do want to be realistic. And, uh, and so I want to reject this lie that I have to be the superhero of my own life. And so this morning, I want to invite us into the synagogue where Jesus is reading Isaiah chapter 61 from that scroll. And I want to run to to watch Jesus as he runs down his finger down that scroll until he finds that particular verse that just expresses just the right thing, that the uh, spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me, Jesus, to proclaim good news Uh, to the poor, that he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, that that he, he sent Jesus to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Friends, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on Jesus. He was, he was anointed in the Jordan and he received the spirit there. And then he returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. And this same Jesus is here this morning through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's here, he's anointed, he's chosen, he's set apart, and he's here. And he's got good news to proclaim to the poor. You know, the rich, they probably think that they have everything that they need. But the poor, the poor have got good news coming to them. The financially poor and the socially poor and the relationally poor and the spiritually poor. And if this is you, if you're feeling poor in any sense this morning, then I want you to hear that Jesus sees you, that he notices you, uh, that he, he doesn't just notice you, he's focused on you. His heart is full towards you this morning, and he has good news that he wants to proclaim. And he says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the puny humans, for they have a friend, they have a savior, they have a Messiah. And then Jesus goes on. He says that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, the prisoners. And maybe this morning you feel like a prisoner. Maybe you're imprisoned in a physical way. You know, I I, I think of those who were reliant on others to meet their daily needs, to feed and to walk, maybe to wash them. I think of those who are in seniors' homes, 
who are in hospitals right now. I think of those who are quarantining. I think of the people who are living on their own through no choice of their own. I think that that can sometimes be a sort of a prison. And if this is you, if you feel imprisoned in any way, then Jesus sees you. He knows you. His attention is focused on you. And into your situation, Jesus proclaims freedom. And then I think of those who are imprisoned in actual prisons around the world, whether it was through their fault or not, whether it was for a crime or for their faith, whether it was after a long legal process or without any due process. There are people imprisoned and Jesus sees them. Friends, even John the Baptist found himself in prison. The one who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, who saw the the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come together in this incredible moment, in this incredible show, finds his faith and his strength limited and shaken by the prison cell. He is shaken in that moment. It says here, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? I don't want to read tones of voice into scripture but he's not laughing you know he's not on the top of the mountain here there is a heaviness to what he's saying this 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 uh this person that he grew up with who he saw um show up in such a powerful way where he saw literally you know the trinity come together but because of his circumstances he doubts he's shaken he's not sure And when we're in prison, our doubts can come to the surface. How could a good God allow me to get into this place in the first, or into this situation in the first place? Are you the Messiah I need, Jesus? Are you my superhero? Or should I expect someone else? Should I put on the cape myself now? Friends, Jesus came and Jesus has come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. The Spirit of the Lord, listen to that, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, of the Father is on Jesus. So the Trinity is in action. Why? To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Hear these words, that Jesus came to, provo- to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. You know, spiritual blindness can lead the unwary down a dark path, as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. When you don't have God, you fill your life in with other things. Sinful things, dangerous, harmful things. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Proverbs 4. But the way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. 
And maybe this morning you feel like you are stumbling around, feel like feeling your way around life, and you've stubbed your toe in the dark. You've walked into things. You've hurt your hands from flailing around, and you know that you are blind. You know that you've lost vision, and you're tired of it. You're tired of living in the darkness. Friends, Jesus does not want you to be imprisoned by your darkness your blindness. He wants you to see, and he's the only one who can provide recovery of sight for the blind. This is his motto. This is his superpower. These words from 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 say this, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Friends, this morning, I encourage you to come to Jesus out of the darkness into the light. Let him restore your sight. And then the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to set the oppressed free. Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. And Jesus has come to to proclaim freedom for the oppressed. Now, what does oppression look like? It's when you're being crushed or held down by a stronger power. When you are powerless. It might look like physical oppression from someone in your life who's harming you emotionally or physically. It might look like racism or sexism or some other form of prejudice. It might be spiritual oppression where you feel that there are dark, malevolent, satanic forces that are pressing down on you and working their way into your thoughts and habits. If this is you, if you identify with being oppressed, then let me tell you that God is for the oppressed. These words in Exodus express exactly that. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, if you oppress them and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. God takes seriously when he sees people being oppressed. And so this morning, I want to uh, invite you, first of all, to view yourself as a puny human. So let me start. My name is Dan, and I am a puny human. I want us all to say that. So I'll say, we'll say, my name is so-and-so, and I am a puny human. Are you ready? Three, two, one. My name is Dan, and I am a puny human. One more time. My name is Dan, and I am a puny human. Now, now that we've been honest about our puniness, I want to ask us, how is that puniness manifesting itself? How is it showing up? What are the symptoms of your puniness? And so if you would, I, I invite you to close your eyes as we take a couple of minutes to invite Jesus into our puniness. So let's all just just close our eyes and I'll lead you through a, a short exercise. Are you poor? Spiritually, financially, emotionally, relationally, are you poor? If so, then Jesus has come 
to proclaim good news to precisely you. If you are poor this morning, simply whisper or mouth to Jesus right now. No one else needs to hear it. He can hear it, but, but just mouth to him, I am poor. I am poor. I am poor. I am poor. Thank you. If you've just confessed your poverty, then hold on to this promise from God in Psalm 34. It's not on the screen, so you don't have to open your eyes. Psalm 34 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you a prisoner? A prisoner to your own thoughts, your own sins, or maybe just your circumstances. And you feel hemmed in, you feel stuck. If so, Jesus has come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And so if you feel imprisoned this morning, simply mouth these words, whisper these words to Jesus, I am in prison. I am in prison. I am in prison. I am in prison. If you've just confessed that you are in prison, then hold on to this promise from God in Psalm 68 that says, God leads out the prisoners with singing. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Are you blind? Have you been stumbling around in darkness? Do you want to see? Do you want to have your eyes opened do you want Jesus to reach out and to proclaim recovery of sight into your life? If so, know that Jesus came to, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. He came for you. So if there's anything in your life that, that you resonate with this, that you feel blind about, that you realize that you've not been seeing life as it should be, be seen, but you've been seeing it from your own perspective, that there has been blindness maybe spiritual blindness or relational blindness or just general blindness. If this is you, then simply whisper to Jesus right now, I am blind. I am blind. I am blind. I am blind. If you've just confessed your blindness to Jesus, then listen to this promise from 2 Corinthians 3.16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When, when we come to the Lord, when we turn to the Lord, the veil of blindness, the veil is taken away, and the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Jesus. And finally, are you oppressed? You feel the weight of the harsh treatment of others. You feel that you give, but you rarely receive. Maybe you feel the darkness of spiritual oppression on your thoughts. If you are oppressed this morning, then just whisper to Jesus, mouth to him, I am oppressed. I am oppressed. You, you don't have to explain it. Just say, I am oppressed. 
mouth it, I am oppressed. If you've just confessed your oppression, then hold on to this promise from God in Psalm 34. Psalm Psalm 43. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Messiah Jesus. We thank you that you came to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Let's open our eyes again. That verse in uh, Psalm 68 that, uh, that, that says, God leads out the prisoners in saying, like, I'm under no illusion that everything's fixed, everything's solved. But what we've had this morning is that we've had this moment where we just bring our true selves to God and where we actually give a name to it and, and, and we put a name for that thing that we're experiencing or we're feeling. And the Bible calls, calls that confession. And what the Bible says is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's just what's happened. That's, that's what happened then is that we've confessed our situations and our struggles to him. And so as the worship team comes up, I want us to just sing this last song of freedom and to, and to keep trusting God as he leads us through this, um, through, through this next while. Though, that we can be free to be puny humans because we have a God who's better than a superhero. And as they, and as they come up, let me uh, close with these words that end up our passage today. It says, Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him, and then he began by saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your healing in your hearing. Amen.